talking about. The good teams don't come in and say could have. They get it done. All right? It's that simple. I'm tired of saying could have, should have, would have. That's why we ain't good enough yet. Because we're saying could have and they ain't. Rush is back. Hour number two. Teddy Lehman here, Tyler McComas back in studio. Um, yeah, that sums it all up. Could have, would have, should have. Um, man, I faced with a bunch of harsh realities now, Tyler. Um, we're dead last in the Big 12. 0-3 in the conference. 58 points for 145 points against in three games Mm. three conference games were given up nearly 50 games or 50 points uh a game just absolutely brutal yeah and uh, not only are you the worst in the big 12 right now um you're kind of historically it's been a really bad three game stretch for a first year head coach i saw who is it bill conley today largest underachievement versus the spread in a three-game span for a first-year head coach in the past 30 years. Like, this past three games, by that, is on par with Turner Gill at Kansas, um, a head coach, Brian Knorr at, uh, at Ohio in 2001, Vic Caning uh, 2000 at Wyoming. Like You're kind of in a historical mark of bad right now. Largest underachievement versus the spread in a three-game span for a once-ranked team. OU is minus 98 the past three weeks. That's on par with 05 Colorado, 99 UCLA, 2011 Texas Tech, and 1997 Texas. I I mean, if you really want to dig into the numbers, and I don't know how many people do, but there are some really just – the numbers can tell the entire story of how bad it's really been. It's it's been that bad. Well, um – Yeah. Let me ask you this. How much how much of the blame do you put on Venables and how he runs the team and how he operates as a head coach? Um, how much of the blame do you put there or how much how much do you like chalk up to situation, roster, all of that? I don't put a whole lot of blame on the situation of the roster just because it's it's OU you shouldn't be getting beat 49 nothing and 55 24 the past couple weeks so a very small amount there and whether it's fair or not or whether it's right or it's wrong and I know that it's the uncomfortable thing to say but I got to put it on the majority of uh, majority of Brent Venables yeah these these guys they've got to figure out a way to play better and get themselves ready to play and put out as much effort as maybe a Braden Willis but that's kind of the name of his job. So the majority of it is it's on Brent Venables for sure, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I um, You look at the schedule and you really start to wonder, can we beat Kansas? Yeah, we can. But will we? Iowa State, yeah. Baylor, seems like a difficult ask right now. West Virginia, yeah. 
Oklahoma State seems like a difficult ask right now. Tech, yeah. So I would say, if you just look at it, I would say four wins is like seems like an optimistic view for the for the rest of the way out. Well, I think anyone you would agree. Take, you know, I mean, Teddy, if you ask anyone if they would take four and two right now the rest of the way, and I think that's regardless of who the four wins come against. I think people are saying, "Wait, you can get this team to seven and five at the end of the year?" Uh, yes, please. I'll go ahead and check that one. And I, I am among that camp. I, uh, I, I kind of believe that Saturday is the determining factor of whether you make a bowl game or not. If you win, if you beat Kansas on Saturday, then you get that bye week, and okay, maybe you can start doing some good things, pick up a couple more wins, get to six wins, and get to a bowl game, if that really matters to anyone. Um, but if you lose, and you lose your fourth consecutive game, and that's a new low this year is losing to Kansas at home, I feel extremely less optimistic that this team can win three more games down the stretch. That's the yeah. real panic. I, I mean, I, I'm worried right now, don't get me wrong, but you lose to Kansas at home, that's, that's a new low. So this is like the determining factor of if you play in the postseason or not. Yeah. Now, like, based off of what we've seen so far, like four and two – uh, that seems like best-case scenario, right? I mean, that has you beating Kansas, Iowa State, West Virginia, and Tech. Um, you know, and two of those teams, Iowa State, West Virginia, are winless in the conference. Tech has one win over Texas. And Kansas, obvious, obviously, is uh, is 2-1 and one in the conference. You know, but both of their conference wins have come against uh, two winless teams in the conference in West Virginia and Iowa State. So uh, you do have to kind of keep that in perspective. But uh, four and two uh, is not by any stretch a guarantee. No. At all. Well, I mean, it, I, nothing's a guarantee after the way that you no. played the past two weeks. And, uh, you know, when you look at the rest of the schedule and try to figure out how many wins this team has, yeah, you naturally – you look to your schedule and say, okay, well, here's this team. Here's how they performed at this point. I don't think it really matters here when you looked at the rest of the schedule. Like, you got to look at OU this time around. And if they're not getting any better anytime soon, and what we've seen the past two weeks is going to be the norm, they may finish 3-9, and nine, man. And I, I know that sounds yeah. drastic, but that's serious. Like, the team that's shown up the past two weeks, I don't think can beat anybody in this conference. Let me ask you a question. Um, Dylan Gabriel left the football game in the second quarter against TCU, right? Yes, that's correct. Do you remember what the score was? Was it... Were they down 17 at that point, uh, or was it 24? Uh, let me go back in the rundown sheet from last week. I probably have it. But I think I, it was, I, was got, it, I, it was either 34-17 or 34-10. Yeah, I feel like it was, um, may have been 34-10, actually. Yeah. I feel like they punched a touchdown in on that drive. 34-10 to 10 when he got hurt, yeah. Yeah. They punched one in on that drive, finished that drive off, um, and we didn't score a touchdown again until uh, the fourth quarter. Right, what, do you th- what do you think the outcome of that game would have been had Gabriel not been hurt and just continued to play? Like, I'm not asking, do they win the game? I'm asking you, like, what do you think the score would have been? 55-24 without him. Um, 
I mean, TCU probably scores more points because OU does as well. I think we're probably talking about a 62-31 type football game. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I still actually, a, it's still a blowout loss in my opinion. Yeah, I think it is too. Because he, he had not played well up to that point. we got to remember no that. No doubt. I, I think it may have been better than the 55-24. Um, but, not, I mean, not like it was going to be much better. And I think the Texas game definitely would have been uh, a totally different result. And I'm not suggesting that we win that game, but we tried to go out there and play Texas without an offense, right, whenever our defense has played the way that they have. The game would have been totally different. So I think the I, – I, I think the – Dylan Gabriel going out has like exposed all of the weaknesses on our football team, and you know, and and you know what it really did more than anything, it totally negated the best player on your football team. He had negative two yards on Saturday. Your best right. player, Marvin Mims, was a non-factor whatsoever, and it was going to be hard for him to be a factor with the offense that they ran. But negative two yards, man. And they tried to throw it deep to him early in the game on like a third and ten, and Bevel didn't even throw it in bounds and give him a chance. And you had a one-on-one down the seam with your best play. I just you, – you, yeah, you, you didn't have a chance. Yep. That wasn't a sustainable offense. I guess the hope if D- Dylan Gabriel comes back, and we'll see if he's any better than what he was the first half against TCU. That's not a guarantee. But at I least know. you give a better chance to your best player to be involved in the offense. Nope, I agree. Uh We've been outscored 70-14 to 14 since uh, Dylan Gabriel got hurt. So, I feel like having him back has to have some type of impact on the football game. Uh, but if not, I just run the uh, Braden Willis offense next week. And please, now, don't get out of that formation once you get inside the 20 this time around. Yeah. That, that was bad. That was, uh, that was bad. I was curious. I was curious. Um, did you know? There's there's one thing that we've been good at, and that is naming whatever these different offensive packages end up being. Is there a worthwhile name for for whatever that system you know what? is? Brain Willis deserves for it to be a cool name, but since you used it in a forty nine nothing game, I'm sure the text line will come up with something clever. But it's probably not going to be all that nice. Yeah. Yep. I don't. I don't even. I don't even want to yeah. go there to be honest with I you. Know. He he deserves so much better than that. Is it condescending yeah. name or something? The whatever name that people come up with. I'm scared to look at the text line of what they say. It'll be like the manure dozer or something like that. Um, wasn't good. Text line: Gabriel staying in the game against TCU doesn't change. That the defense was just let guys running free all day long. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm no at. Doubt. Like OU wasn't winning. No, that I, game. I, I'm not saying they're winning that game. No, please, please do like. Please understand. Never did I say, or am I even hinting at they win that game. I'm just suggesting that perhaps the end result is better. Um, knowing what we've we've got in Bevel, perhaps we score. Uh, another touchdown or two 
And then I'm just I'm I guess what I'm saying is like are we are we outpacing how bad we think we are since you know of what we've seen since uh Gabriel's been out? I mean, I guess that's what I'm asking here. because uh, it's been it's been beyond dreadful since he was out offensively. And I mean, I'm just trying to like forecast for the future whenever we're looking at the rest of the season. Like, should we expect to be better than the team that just got housed by Texas? Well, God, I hope so. I hope they're better than the 49 nothing team that played on Saturday. If they're not, like I said, they might finish three and nine or four and eight this year. I mean, I I think you should, but again, Dylan Gabriel's got to be a whole lot better and a whole lot consistent. And him being back hasn't changed one thing. And I guess technically they were better at it Saturday with the the weight room Willie Cats or the Willis Cats or the wounded Wildcats that people are calling it right now on the text line. But at least you were able to sustain a drive and run some clock with that offense, which is not something you've been able to do up to this point. Because I've been really concerned with you've only been able to score in like quick strike situations. You haven't been able to sustain a drive and you've consistently thrown a bad defense or a struggling defense out on the field seemingly, you know, the entirety of a game. But I, I don't know. At least you sustained a drive this time around. Yeah. Didn't matter. You yep. still lost 49 nothing. But the Willis Cat, Wounded Wildcat, uh, the White Flag Package, the Freaking Panic Offense. Those are just <laughs> – White Flag Package. <laughs> the What You Talking About Willis Offense. <laughs> crap Shoot. <laughs> Uh, the crapshoot. I love. I love the white flag offense. That is fantastic. That's uh, beautiful. Oh, the PTSD man. cats. Jeez, see, I told you, he yeah. deserves better than this. The diehard package because it was Willis taking on the bad guys by himself. That's pretty good. John Wayne package. You know, John Wayne sitting there, uh, him and his horse. Taking on, uh, you know, the whole gang of marauders. Desperation formation. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on here from Newcastle Casino. Stay with us. Football is here in your home for the best Sooner. It is the rush live on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. It's time for our under-the-radar player from this past Saturday. Brought to you by Boyd Street Ventures. Boyd Street Ventures, they're, they're really cool. They're investing in OU Innovation. They're a venture capital firm that funds and guides promising Sooner startups. Go check out more. Uh, BoydStreetVentures.com, that's where you can get all of the information. But again, they are investing in OU Innovation. They do a lot of really cool things. Uh, and they are sponsoring the Under the Radar feature. And I actually can give you someone for an Under the Radar player on Saturday. Not Braden Willis because he's not under the radar. Um, not even Eric Gray because he was kind of the number two guy at that position. How about uh, Jaleel Farouk had five oh. carries for 60 yards, 12 yards a pop. I'll say Farouk yep. was the under the radar player. You stole my pick to click. Uh, yeah, Jaleel Farouk. I thought he, he did some really good things. He looked good in that spot. Uh, unfortunately, took a massive shot, got blasted, uh, hurt his shoulder, left the game, came back. Um, but yeah, I thought he was um, thought he was really good in that role. You know, unfortunately, I was you know I I was hoping that they were going to find a way to get Mims 
involved in the game plan, but you just good, man. just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Um, one catch, negative two yards for, for Mims. Unfortunate for him. I know he had to be incredibly frustrated. No. Um, I'm sure I'm sure he was, man. Uh, text line saying, with A&M at 3-3 three and three like OU, is the sky falling in College Station too? I actually – I don't know how they feel after taking Alabama to the wire. Like, Texas definitely had a moral victory against Alabama. I don't know why it would be any different in College Station today. Well, I think the, the reason it would be different in College Station is because, um, like, they, who, else, who else did they lose to? Mississippi State? Is lost that who it was? To, uh, they lost to Mississippi State in Starkville, and they lost to Appalachian State. Yeah. All right, Appalachian State. Mississippi State, like, I mean, they were talking about, you know, his job before the Bama game, and I doubt playing Alabama to a close game against their backup quarterback is has really uh, called the dogs off. It may buy him a little bit of time, but they still got a gauntlet they've got to face down uh, schedule-wise, don't they? Yeah, they're still going to play Ole Out Miss. South Carolina, Ole Miss, yeah. Yeah. They're uh, they're they're another team. You you see three easy wins on their schedule? Um, n- no, I it, it, like where they're at with their offense. It's going to be hard to win any game. It's going to be difficult for them. And they end with LSU at the end of the year, and LSU seems to be, you know, getting a little bit better, or at least you know, a more resilient team as the year rolls on. Yeah. Curtis. What's crazy is they they should not have won that game against Arkansas. No. Like, that, it would be a totally different situation had they well, not been able to pull that KJ game KJ Jefferson, quarterback of Arkansas, jumps two yards for some – I mean, he's a really experienced player. Jumps two yards around the goal line. Then he should. He fumbles it, and not only does A&M recover and Arkansas doesn't score, they run it all the way back for a touchdown. It was the play yep, of the game. And the, and the final field goal goes off the top of the upright. Yeah. You know, for Arkansas to win it. It's wild. Teddy and Tyler love the show, but Tyler, you're a little wrong because it's not his fault the last few years they did not play a lot of the young players. And when hired, there was not a great roster. And Levy got the best quarterbacks he could, and Muleshoe lost three QBs, and the whole D-line got drafted. No, hey, that's – the roster isn't what I thought it was clearly coming into the year. I just said I put a little blame on the roster – because even with the roster being as it is, you shouldn't lose 49 nothing to Texas and 55-24 to TCU. That's my point. Yeah. That's why I put little blame on it, because I'm, I'm sorry, you just cannot convince me that this roster should be non-competitive in their past two Big 12 games. That's, that's hard for me. Right. That's, I, I just I can't get there. Right. And you know, no, and, and, I... and a lot of people have cited past successful head coaches and what they did in their first year, be it Dave Aranda at Baylor or... Bob at OU or Nick Saban in Alabama. And it's like I told Parker earlier, it's like I want to get there and, and I hope that I can see some of those similarities at some point. But for me to get there, Teddy, I, I'm going to have to see big-time improvement throughout the past six games. Like I, I can't see this team not get any better throughout the rest of the year and say, well, this is what happened to Dave Aranda his first year and here's what happened in year two. I've, I've got to see this team get, get better to have that opinion of things. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it's it's hard to gauge it right now because you know oddly we're looking at a team that appears to be uh, getting worse now you know it's hard to hard to say necessarily are they getting worse like I know the results are getting worse but like I don't think it would have been anywhere that bad if Dylan Gabriel would have played um, but like, we don't have that to go off of uh, they just got to start looking better moving forward that's it that's all you can really say all right I don't know how we got to where we are well I mean I know some of the reasons why we got to where we are but doesn't really matter just you got to you got to find a way to improve and look better and and do so while perhaps getting some more younger guys in and developed a little bit you know it's a it's a tough line though you know it can be beneficial to play young guys to develop them but it can also be detrimental if you put good guys that have a good trajectory out on the field before they're ready to where they just get their ass handed to them and uh, you don't want to rob a young kid of all of his confidence you know what i'm saying like i don't i don't know how you find that balance but you know i i want to develop the young roster too but I don't just want to throw guys out there to throw them out there, even if they're clearly not ready to be on the field against other, you know, good power five football teams that we're going to be playing down the stretch. Like, if you just go out there and you're not ready and you don't know what you're doing and you get exposed, like, I I don't want guys to lose all of their confidence. Uh, let's see, Santa John. I'll just get to a few here, and I got a question for you on Saturday's game. Santa John says, "I got to be honest, fellas. The return of DG doesn't give me a whole lot of faith. Um, do you know if there's been a players-only meeting yet? Eh. At least there were no bust on defense. Uh, this team is way better with DG. What? Yeah, yeah, we're all over the place here today. Uh, yeah, they're way better with uh, Dylan Gabriel. There's, there is no doubt about that." Did Are Ern- they the best team in the Big 12 with Dylan Gabriel? No, but they're better. Text line is weak sauce. There is no talk of the ineptitude of the OC. Come on, man, in all caps. No, trust me, there is plenty of talk on the text line about the OC, and normally you ask me, actually I think you did today off the air, how the postgame show was. Well, the postgame show, if you didn't listen to it, is probably exactly what you imagined. Um, yeah. Jeff Lebby did not do himself any favors with the fan base, even with playing with a backup quarterback on Saturday. I think a lot of people were really frustrated with going down the field with Braden Willis, throwing in Davis Bevel, the third and fourth down play call that you got stuffed on, you get no points. Eric Gray throwing that jump pass when you go into score. Um, There's a lot of people, which there's always a lot of people upset with the OUOC. They're, they're as upset as they've been with Jeff Levy up to this point. Well, I don't know. I, I guess I guess I don't I don't like, I, I probably I would have stayed in the Wildcat stuff for another snap 
on that first trip down into the Texas uh, end zone uh, instead of getting back in the traditional offense. But, like, the Eric Gray thing, like, well, how are you going to blame the offensive coordinator for a running back throwing it directly to a defensive player? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the only what's thing, the reason, what's that? The and I, and that's and that's fine. The only pushback I would have, and it's probably trying too hard and very hindsight, is when that interception was thrown. There was right around three minutes left, if I remember correctly. It's even if you score there, it's well, okay, you scored finally, great, you're on the board. But you just gave Texas three minutes before the first half. What do you think that they're about to do with their next possession? Just run the clock down and try to score that way instead of giving Texas three minutes to go score a touchdown before the half. Well, well, I understand that, but here's the thing. If he doesn't throw it because Brayden Willis is covered by two guys, then he just continues, like, he just runs it. I. And you can't. That's not on the. That's not on the offensive coordinator. Like it didn't happen. Like just, just run the football there if he's covered. I'm not super thrilled with the coaching either, but I honestly feel like the roster is in the middle of the pack uh, in the Big Twelve at best. Okay, uh, here's a question I was going to ask you because uh, some people on the text line were making fun early. And, yeah, Quinn Ewers played really well on Saturday. Definitely in the stat sheet, he he popped for sure. But he had no pressure on him all day long. Did your opinion of Quinn Ewers change at all after seeing him in person on Saturday? No. I I struggle to get there as well. I, I need to see more out of him before I claim him as some great quarterback and the savior of Texas football. I mean, he had it really easy I, on Saturday. Yeah, I, I mean, he completed passes. You know, he was able to scramble on that one third and 10 or third and 12, whatever it was, to convert a first down. But, uh, you know, he made some nice throws. But I didn't see anything that – and I'm not saying that he he was bad. And I walked away thinking that he wasn't any good. But I, is there anyone that we've played at quarterback so that, far that could point. have made every yeah. single throw that he made? Actually, uh, was Quinn Ewers voted uh, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week? Because if not, that tells the whole story because I feel like Max Duggan and Adrian Martinez <laughs> both were the previous two games. So, right. Quinn Ewers, did you even accomplish that? I have no – I don't look at the – you know, who wins that that crap from the Big 12. But past two quarterbacks right. sure did. Probably yeah. should have been B. John Robinson more than Quinn Ewers. Right. Well, yeah, I don't know. He he looked good. Um, his uh, bill tied in number zero looked fantastic. Two touchdowns, man. Talked about him last Whittington week. looked good. Bijan Robinson looked really good. Um, Roshan Johnson was running with his uh, his pads over his toes. Yeah, they uh, everything that they called worked. I mean, this is one of those days you just dial up anything you want, baby. It's all there. Yeah, and they've got something to play for the second half of the season, and I'll be interested to see how they finish out the year, Texas. Because they're 4-2 and two right now. That program has as much momentum as they've had in the past few years, but they got a brutal schedule that's left, man. Yep. And I still think they'll probably finish the year about 8-4. and four. I think they'll lose – man, they may lose about three more games, but this is kind of a – this is a big stretch for them coming up. Yep. 
Nope, I agree. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. We'll hit some things that caught my eye next. Stay tuned. Talking Sooner football is what we do. This is The Ref. Schumacher Law Group, when experience matters. It is the rush on the ref, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is? Well, a lot of people have been talking about it. It finally happened. Matt Rule has been fired from Carolina. So has his uh, longtime defensive coordinator, Phil Snow. Uh, Matt Rule is... Owed forty million bucks, Tyler. So the question is: uh, next head coach at Auburn, next head coach at Nebraska, or next ten years on the beach? That's what I was about to say. It'd be hilarious. Everyone's saying, "Well, Nebraska or Wisconsin or Auburn." Maybe he says, "I just get forty million of buyout money." You think I'm going to go coach in Lincoln, Nebraska, or Madison, Wisconsin, or Auburn, Alabama, with all those psychos down there? No thanks. We'll see you guys in about ten years. Right. No, I I do think uh, he'll return to college football and be a head coach somewhere, and he'll get a nice job. But I don't know. If I was him, I'd be really uh, thinking about getting to spend that $40 bucks somewhere because you can't really enjoy the $40 million as much uh, if you're trying to rebuild a bad program, especially at, like, Nebraska. Right. No doubt about it. Um, At some point, you wonder if someone just takes uh, takes the money. Um, says, ah, you know what? That's actually, uh, I'm okay with this. I guess that's what Coach O has done, uh, not not surprisingly. Out, Baker Mayfield, high ankle sprain. Uh, he's he's going to be out for an uh, extended amount of time. Uh, has not gone well for Baker. What do you think the future holds for him? One-year deal for him, right? Yeah, really nervous about his future, to be honest. Um, hard to see him unless things go drastically better. Maybe hard to see him as a starting quarterback in the league next year, and he's a backup somewhere. I mean, this was a prove-it season for him. This was a prove-it year to him, and it wasn't hasn't been a perfect situation in Carolina. Clearly, they just fired their head coach, but you know how things work in the league. I think it's going to be tough for him to be a starter next year. And if he is a, a starter somewhere next year, it's probably going to be a team that's even worse than Carolina this year. Yeah. Uh, it's wild, man. How about uh... – I'm I'm just still shocked that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are five and zero. Only undefeated. The team, Giants man. get get a get a big win over the the Packers. The Giants are looking good. Look out for the NFC East, man. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys got Cooper Rush five and zero as a starting quarterback. No big deal. They've just beaten the two teams that played the Super Bowl last year. Beat the Bengals at home earlier that? and the Rams. Um, well, I think it's going to be an amazing situation when Dak Prescott is finally healthy again and when Jerry has to address the media on what he does. Because I think he said recently, well, I think it would uh, be great if we uh, did have a quarterback controversy. Basically saying that he hopes he does because he hopes he has two good quarterbacks. But 
Yeah. Jerry's going to say something amazing, I'm sure, once it's time for Dax to be back, as he calls him. When is uh, Prescott supposed to be back? Uh, pretty quick, man. Pretty soon. Next couple weeks, maybe. I, I'll look at the exact timeline. They'll probably uh, throw uh, Cooper Rush out there against the Eagles uh, on the road. Sunday night. And let uh, Dax come back against the Lions, who They're got bad, absolutely man. housed by Bailey Zapp. Zappy, whatever his name is, um, that was not pretty. And I hate that for Dan Campbell because I think he's just he, – he's a joy to watch and to uh, – you know, he pours his heart and soul into it. But, man, that's tough. All right, uh, that's all I got. Uh, well, I, I, I got the bombshell today. This was from Mike Gundy's mm. press conference. I have not heard it yet. This is from uh, Kate huh. McFarlane. I guess Mike Gundy said that he interviewed for and turned down the head coaching job with the Bucks, Tampa Bay Bucks, back in 2012. Interviewed three times. I don't know if they want me to say or not. Uh, uh, it was Tampa Bay in like the next 15 seconds. That right. is awesome. I know. That's great. Right. So it was right after the 2011 season, right? Yeah. So they hired. Uh, did they hire Shiano that time around. Greg Shiano. I think they did. Yeah, probably. That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah, how about that? Could you imagine Gundy in the NFL? Yes. That'd be great. Yeah, honestly, yes, I could have, and I don't know how well it would have gone for him. In Tampa Bay, he didn't have Tom Brady definitely back then, but no, nah, it, it, it would have been awesome. And I love it, man. I, and I don't know if people are ripping on him nationally for revealing that he almost took that job, but that's what we want from head coaches, right, to be more revealing. Mike Gundy was very revealing there, like it's, yeah. I, and I appreciate it. Uh, who cares? Uh, it was 10 years ago. Who cares? You think anyone at Tampa is like, oh, my God, I can't believe he let people know that uh, he interviewed with us three times in 2011. There probably is someone out there that's butthurt about that, but it's the dumbest thing in the world to be upset about if, if that is the case. Does he remind – would he be like a Jerry Glanville in the NFL? <laughs> I think that's exactly who he'd be like. He uh, <laughs> 2012 was pre-mullet, right? I feel like 2012 yes. was pre-mullet. Would we have seen the mullet in the NFL? Because he kind of did that no. for attention at Oklahoma State, if you remember. He would have changed styles. He would have looked more Miami Vice if he would have went and coached at Tampa Bay than he would have, you know, Cavalry. He definitely would have turned into your Florida man that we're always talking yeah. about in the news, I feel like, if sure. he takes that job. And he'd be talking yep. about all gator right. hunting all the time. Um, a few other. This, this is a big weekend in college football, man. Top ten yeah. matchup in Ann Arbor. Uh, you got tenth ranked Penn State at number five Michigan. Uh, but the big one, man. Biggest game in Knoxville since got maybe nineteen ninety eight. Number three Alabama at number six Tennessee. Is the line right? It's Alabama minus seven and a half. And there's no for sure indication on if Bryce Young's going to play or not. Oh, he's going to play. Come on. We all know that the the young kid is going to play. Um, they're not going to march Milrow out there. It's going to be great. I can't wait for it. Um, 
yeah, I think you're right. It's got to be. Can you think what they've been? Were they five and zero or something in 2016? 2016? No, yeah. I don't. They lost a really. God, this is another nerdy one. They lost a early game at Georgia, I think, on like a hail mary that year. But I think maybe they had lost a game before that. It was either yeah. at Georgia or Florida. I think it was at Georgia that that year. They like maybe uh, lost on a hail mary. But no, it's been. And this is Alabama too, who they haven't beaten since Saban's gotten there. No, they, yeah, they. So I thought I saw this over there. They were five and zero. It's the first time they've been five and zero since um, twenty sixteen. So did they win on a hail mary in Georgia that year? Is that what it yeah, was? Thir- well, they beat Georgia thirty four thirty one. Yeah, they, yeah. That's, that's what happened that day. They, they beat Florida the week before thirty eight twenty eight. They beat App State, Virginia Tech, Ohio, Florida, Georgia, and then they lost in double overtime to A and M. Then they lost to number one Alabama. And then they lost at South Carolina. Well, biggest game for them in a long time. It's also a big game for both TCU and Oklahoma State. Top 15 matchup. Yeah. Where are you leaning right now? TCU minus three and a half is the current line. Oh, man. I think I think I I I think it's about right. I think I just barely lean uh TCU, but man, would not shock me. Uh, just the fact that it's uh, in Fort Worth, I think I give them the slight yeah, edge. Yeah, same. Um, Going to be a big atmosphere there. Then you got USC and Utah. Utah minus three and a half. They've already lost twice this year. This is the game we're talking about all offseason long that Utah is just going to pummel them in Salt Lake. Well, uh, not everyone's as confident that's going to happen after SC 6-0 well. start. But I think that this is where it comes down for USC. I think Utah's going to win this game on, on Saturday night. Seven o'clock yeah. on Fox. I don't know. Um, USC has somehow managed to stay resilient, uh, but yeah, this is going to be this will be the by far the best football team that they faced. Um, Utah is they're pretty good. They are tough, man. But I'll tell you what, I was telling you, UCLA, man. Yeah, they're good, man. They may be the best team in the Pac-12 with DTR. That is a that Which, is a good football team. It's crazy to think would. Gabriel would, Gabriel wouldn't have started over DTR. I guess he'd be a backup there. Yep. Wow. Yep. Huh. Not with the way he's playing. Uh, Third string. He would not have started. Um, yeah. No, I'm saying with the way uh, DTR. Yeah, I, I just uh, it's just crazy because he was at UCLA, and I just don't I, I don't know if he would have started there. I mean, he definitely would be wouldn't be now. DTR is the better player. I just. Kind of feels like he would have beaten him out in camp. He's got. Um, That's where we're resting the final six games. All of our hope on is him coming back. Yeah, DTR is he's completing seventy five percent of his passes, fifteen hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns, two interceptions. Pretty, uh, pretty tasty there. Hmm. All right, that it? Yeah, that's. I mean, we just the, the slate this weekend is actually really, really awesome. It's really yep, awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next.
The Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers are bringing you hour number two of the rush as we go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I've seen this take quite a bit. Did it seem kind of like a weird move to have Dylan Gabriel warm up before the game? I feel like everyone knew he wasn't playing and just seemed really dumb to me. I don't know why people have an issue with Dylan Gabriel warming up before the game, even if he was never going to play. Why, why, why do people think that is an issue? I have no idea. I don't know why they would think it's dumb. Um, I have actually seen the, the exact same thing happen in person at a game not involving OU. It was Alabama and Arkansas like 10 years ago. And Arkansas took it as far to their quarterback at the time warmed up like seconds before the opening kickoff, and then he never played. Yeah. I I think it's it was just, um, you know, it's no harm, no foul. Dress him out, get him out there to work out a little bit, move around. Um, you know, Texas, without a doubt, wondering whether or not he was going to play, probably. Throw them off a little bit. Who knows? Um, and I, I love how everyone is – well, not everyone. But I love how the texter is saying that well, everyone knew he wasn't going to play. I, we, How many times did we get asked throughout the show on Friday whether or not he was going to play? I don't, think, I don't think everyone knew anything. It's mostly what we talked about during the pregame show is, well, I don't think he's going to, but it's interesting. He's really going through warm-ups. It's acting pretty serious here. It's a great acting job if he's not starting today. Yeah. You didn't have a whole uh, lot of advantages going into this game. And clearly that right. wasn't a huge advantage. Use everything that you have against your biggest rival. I don't have an issue with it. I don't have an issue and with it. And it's not like he's going to take a helmet-to-helmet hit in, in warm-ups before the game. Well, At least it's you hope just, that's not going to happen. I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't, I didn't have a problem with it, and... Frankly, with all the things that went on on Saturday, who cares? <laughs> you know? Seriously. Oh, yeah. man. Um, yeah, I, I've never felt that way walking out of the Cotton Bowl, and God willing, I never will again. That was How, that was was, how were the Texas fans out in the fair? Were they? Um... I didn't hear much from them, honestly. Really, I didn't yeah. hear anything from them because they were still all in the stadium and all the OU fans were out in the midway or getting a corny dog or drinking a wax cut beer. Right. Yeah, well, mm, they earned that one. Um, Surprised they didn't shove it in our face. All right, final hour of the rush is coming up next.